Good morning. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for letting me come up and just share a word of the Lord. Like Tyler said, my name is Amanda Binger. My husband and I have been part of Antioch for five years now. We went through the discipleship school last year. Um, we've, we have two beautiful girls. I think we have a picture coming up here. There they are. My little beauties. We got Addison in the purple and Ariel in the pink. Addison's three. Ariel is four months. So it's quite an honor and quite a privilege to raise some mighty women of God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So um, I just want to talk with you a little bit this morning about how does the church respond to injustice of our day? What is God's heart for the church in engaging a broken and a suffering people? How do we respond? How do we be responsive people? I think sometimes we look at the enormity of our suffering and we look at the statistics and we just we, we are frozen. We don't know what can, we, what can we do. How can we make a difference? Well, the amazing thing is that God's plan for his redemptive purposes here on earth is the church. It has been. It always will be. That's, what he's, that's a cry of his heart. And so we, as the people of God, are his answer to the dying and broken world. And so we have a call. We have a call to respond. He calls us to be a responsive people. And in fact, through society, the church has been some of the first to respond to some of the greatest needs. The church was one of the first to respond and build hospitals and staff hospitals to treat um, medical conditions. They were some of the first to create education. They developed Sunday schools to train and educate children. They developed schools. Princeton, Yale, Harvard were originally made to develop ministers of the gospel. So many times the church has responded. There was an orphan crisis in New York in the 1800s, and a pastor placed 250,000 children into homes during that time, and the church was the precipice of that. It was the, it was the per person and the people who provided that to happen, the means for that to happen. And so the church has and always will be the answer for God's response to the dying and the broken and the suffering. And so we're going to look this morning at Scripture, and we're going to look, look to what God's examples are in Scripture about what does it look like? How do we respond? How do we get engaged? How do we activate ourselves to become people who respond to the broken and the dark places. And first, where we need to start is so important, is a responsive church has got to understand the significance of our salvation. It is huge. It is the primary thing that drives anything that we do in our lives. And when we fully understand the significance of our salvation, then we can fully grasp God's heart for his people. Because if we're called to love those who, we're called to love the way that Christ first loved us, how can we fully love others that way if we don't understand what Christ did for us first? Yeah. It's huge. Because if we don't understand what he did for us and our depravity and our sin and our brokenness, the way that he restored our lives, then we can't fully understand his heart for those that we're serving and loving and speaking to. And so it's important that our salvation is at the forefront of our minds when we're responding there's a verse in Matthew 10, 8, and it says, Freely you have received, so freely give. You have received new life. You are a new creation. You are dead in your sins, but God gave you new life. So when we understand that, the only response that we can have as the people of God is to turn our lives back over to him. Our lives are not our own. We were paid with a price. Our salvation, is, it matters. It's worth something. And so we need to respond as a people by giving our lives back as an act of worship. And part of that is responding to his people because that's his heart. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the scripture says, For Christ's love compels us. 
He died for all. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. We are called to live for him. No other reason. And honestly, we, we really don't have another option. We were saved for his purposes. The other thing that a, a purposeful, responsive people church needs to understand about our salvation is that it rightly aligns our mindsets on who we deem as worthy to be rescued or to be helped. I think if we're honest, a lot of times we place um, labels on people. We perceive people. We make up in our minds that they've made choices that got them there. They shouldn't be deserving of our help or whatever we come up with in our mindsets. But the bottom line is God calls us to serve anybody. There's no limitations on that. And there's a scripture that we're going to turn to right now. It'll be up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles open to Luke, um, Chapter 10, verse 25. This is a familiar story for a lot of you. It's the, it's the story of the Good Samaritan, but I want to I look at it and approach it from a little bit of a different perspective. So if you'll join me, verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it, he answered. Love your Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which, this is Jesus talking, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So this was a pretty interesting parable that Jesus talks about. For the most part, it's because contextually, without going into too much history, the Samaritans and the Jews were a very conflicting people. They did not get along, and it dated way back to many wars, much captivity, a lot of issues, but they were a very conflicting people. And what's amazing about this story is the Samaritan is helping the Jew. And this is a really forceful way of Jesus saying there are no limitations on how we love and who we love. These people are huge conflicts, but, they're, but he is going out of his way to help this individual. And so it was a very forceful way to say it doesn't matter race, Gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, political views, anything. We're called to love our neighbor, regardless of who they are. Another reason that the church is, is significant in the response to God's suffering and broken people is that our salvation has given us an anointing. We are an anointed people. And so that's what differentiates the church, and it's why God's heart is the church to be the responders, is because of our anointing. We have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit gives us power and gives us authority to respond into really dark and hurting and broken places. There's a scripture in Isaiah 
61, if you'll turn to it, it'll also be up on the screen. Um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners. So we as a people, as the people of God, we're anointed. We are anointed to do these things. We're anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness prisoners. This is who we are as a people. It's our DNA. With our salvation, we've been engrafted with the Holy Spirit, and it brings power, authority, change. And so we're called to respond. We're not just called to enjoy our salvation. We're called to give it away. We're called to give it away. And that's why we were saved, by freedom. You know, we've been, we've been set free to free, you know, free others. And so we have to respond. So our salvation is significant in many ways, not just for ourselves, but how we respond as the people of God. It shows that we're, our lives are not our own. It rightly allows us our perspective on, hey, we don't, we don't get to own our life. It's the Lord's using. And it also aligns our perspective on who's worthy, who's worthy to be helped, who do we serve, who do we respond. By, because of salvation, we understand that people who are hurting and suffering deserve our response. And lastly, it's significant because we've been given the Holy Spirit through salvation. And we're an anointed people. We are a powerful people. We have authority. We have the means to go into some places and really make a change. And so it matters. A responsive church also lives out compassion and action. And what, what, the, what does this look like? Well, compassion and action, it's an emotional response, but it evokes a physical action. And if you look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there are so many examples of where Jesus was moved with compassion and it compelled him to act. And so you'll see if you just go, if you glance through the scriptures, Jesus had compassion and he began teaching. Jesus had compassion, he healed the sick. Jesus had compassion, he touched their eyes. Jesus had compassion and he, he um, healed leprosy. Jesus had compassion and he reached out to her and touched her. Jesus had compassion and he wept and then he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. All of these things, Jesus responded out of an emotional response from the Father. And so we have to have this, we have to live out compassion in action. And compassion in action, it, it's cost something. It's hard. Compassion in action isn't easy. The church really does a good job at evangelism and discipleship, and those are essential things for bringing healing to a broken world and bringing lasting transformation. But just as important, we have to deal with practical and material needs of people. The, the scripture says in 1 John 3, 16 and 17, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? The message version at the end of it, which is just another version of the scripture, the last sentence in that actually says, if you see a brother or sister in need and you do nothing about it and turn a cold shoulder, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And so we really do show our love by responding to practical and material needs not just through evangelism and discipleship, which are so important, but we have to meet the needs of people as well. And so we have to be a responsive people in that way. Compassion in action is also not fixed on results. It's fixed on being like Jesus. 
And so Jesus was often led to respond to somebody, and he was never, he was never led by people's responses. He never led with compassion because of how somebody would be grateful for it or how about somebody would respond or he'd get recognition for it. He was led by the Father, and he was led with compassion every time, and it didn't matter how somebody responded. He just showed up, and he did it because the Father told him to. He only did what the Father told him to do. And so when we respond, we cannot let people's opinions, people's responses dictate how we serve. We have to be a responsive people solely because it's a way of showing Jesus our love and showing love to others and using the skill sets and the anointings that God has given us um, as a people of God. And lastly, a responsive church has to be motivated from an understanding that when we serve the most vulnerable and the most broken, we're actually serving him. Christ himself. And there's a scripture that talks about this. Matthew 25, 44 to 45 says, They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. This is a big deal because when we serve those who are suffering, we're actually getting an opportunity to love the Father directly. And he identifies with the broken. And so we need to identify with the broken because Jesus did. And it helps us to rightly view them when we see that, hey, God has given them identity. He's given this person identity. He's given them worth. He's given them value. He's spoken promises and hope over their life. And so, so, do, so do I. And it's really important. There's a Mother Teresa quote that I really love. Most of you are familiar with her. She's one of the greatest servants of our time. Says, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus, I must feed him. This is sick Jesus, this one has leprosy or gangrene, I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. That's our motivation. We serve because we love him. And that's how we stay in the fight, because it's hard. This fight's hard. It's dark, it's heavy, there's a lot of brokenness. But when we're doing it out of a motivation because we love Jesus, it sustains us. That's what sustains us. And so we're talking about being a responsive people as a church. And so how are we responding? Well, today we are launching Unbound. And it is a ministry. Yep, we've clapped. Maybe you saw the balloons when you walked in. Maybe you saw the tables. But Unbound is a ministry through Antioch that is activating local communities to fight human trafficking. And this is one of the greatest injustices of our day. There are over 30 million people who are enslaved, and that's more than any time in human history. Um, the average age of entry for somebody who gets into trafficking in the United States is 12 to 14 years of age. And once they're first trafficked, they have a life expectancy of seven years. This is a huge injustice. And we're seeing it over and over again, and the church is needing to respond. This is one of the biggest criminal industries in the world. Unfortunately, it's because drugs can only be used once, and a person can get used many times. And that's just the truth of the matter, and it's very sad and very, very, very sick and dark. And so the church is responding. And one of the ways that we're responding is by launching Unbound. And so what, what does it look like? How does, what does Unbound do? Well, we are made up of volunteers. We're, ma- we're made up of people who are the people of God, who have skill sets, who have degrees, who have connections, who have all different things that the Lord's blessed them with. And they're consecrating their skills. They're consecrating their gifts under the name of Jesus and providing whatever they have and giving it away for the glory of God. And so specifically within our ministry here, We have people 
um, who are, have specialized degrees, who are attorneys, medical doctors, counselors who are actually providing services to our victims. We have people who are in spheres of influence who are allowing us to come in and do professional trainings to bring awareness and prevention to different organizations, different businesses. We have college students who are connecting us with college ministries on campus to do awareness events and to you know, just spread awareness. We've got high school students starting chapters in their schools. We have people training and mentoring vulnerable youth in the community. And we even have uh, Unbound chapters all over the world. We are, much, we are very much a people who send out. And we have Unbound chapters in Greece, Mongolia, South Africa, um, the Dominican Republic. And we need more laborers. We have people on the ground. Um, we also have law enforcement within our church who are on the streets protecting us. They're arresting Johns. They're arresting pimps. They are um, doing great work protecting our streets. And so there's so many opportunities for us to serve through Unbound. For me personally, um, it's been a, a journey. Um, the Lord called me to go to law school about eight years ago, and I went willingly, but I wouldn't say that I wanted to. Um, but in obedience to the Lord, I said yes. And so I'm an attorney, and over the last eight years, God has just brought my degree into different places because in law school, he spoke to me, and he said, your degree is not your own. This law degree I'm giving you is for the sake of the kingdom. And so I said, okay, Lord, whatever it is, then I say yes to you. And so over the eight years, God has just led me into different places, one day in obedience at a time. I've used my law degree in different ways. I represent children and families in child protection court. I represent broken families in custody battles. I, I represent women who are in the commercial sex industry. I work with women who are survivors of human trafficking, and now the Lord has called me to lead Unbound College Station. And so... The Lord is just doing different things, and it's just been one step of obedience at a time. But it started with me saying, okay, this law degree is not my own. I surrender it to you, God, not of my own desires, but for you. And so he uses that. When we obey and we just say, whatever it is, God, here I am. Take what you've given me, and we give it back for the sake of the kingdom. He honors it. He, obey he, he loves obedience like that. We don't even have to have a special skill set. We just have to be available. We have to say yes. When we say yes, he says, okay, she's in, he's in. They're ready. I'm going to use them. But it comes with a, an act of saying yes in obedience to the Lord. Five years ago is actually the journey that God started unbound. And I showed up. I, had, I was living in Colorado at the time, and I had just finished law school. And I had taken the Colorado bar exam, and I was getting to work, you know, getting a job there. And the Lord was just on this journey, and he said, there's more of me. And I want you to give up everything and follow me. And so over a six-month journey with the Lord, I said, okay, what does that look like, Lord? And he said, well, I want you to give up everything. I want you to follow me. And so what that looked like was he told me to move to College Station. So I left my job. I left my church. I left my family. I left my friends. I wasn't married at the time. And I moved to College Station. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even have a house until I moved the night before. And when I showed up, I didn't know anybody, had no church. I couldn't even work because I took the Colorado bar and I needed to take the Texas bar exam. And I showed up, and a week later, the Lord landed me in Antioch. And the first day I showed up, I heard about this ministry called Unbound. And the Lord spoke to me that Sunday, and he said, Unbound College Station is coming. Yeah. And I want you to pray about it. And so I prayed about it, but I prayed about it for five years. Yeah. Okay? So Unbound has been in prayer for five years. Okay? But the Lord has spoken, and he said, the time is now. Time is now. So church, rise up. The time is now. Unbound is here, and we're going to do something about it.
And so I get to personally see some of the most vulnerable people in our community, and I get to work with them, and I get to see the enemy grip some of the really, really vulnerable people in our community. And it is really difficult, but I also get to see the church respond. I get to see people coming into situations and speaking life, hope, freedom. And it's an amazing thing to be a part of, and we get to be invited into that, which is an incredible honor, an incredible privilege when you think about it. He entrusts us, the Lord trusts us, to work with his people and to, and to cultivate his promises and his dreams in us as people of God, which is such, such an honor. And I want to tell you um, a, a little, I want to go into a quote and I'm going to tell you a story. But when we're, when we're praying about, well, what is our response? What does it look like? And there's a Mother Teresa quote that says, the work we do is nothing more than a means of transforming our love for Christ into something concrete. I didn't have to find Jesus. Jesus found me and he chose me. A strong vocation is based on being possessed by Christ. He is the life that I want to live. He is the light that I want to radiate. He is the love with which I want to love. He is the joy that I want to share. He is the peace that I want to sow. And Jesus is everything to me. Without him, I can do nothing. And that has to be the cry of our heart. It's, it's not about what your profession is. It's not about the skills that you've begin, be, been given. It's about laying your life down for him, being available, being willing, being open, surrendering over and over again, steps of obedience, one day at a time, little steps of victory. I'll, I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit of a story about an unbound victim that I just worked with in the last couple of weeks. So a lot of people don't understand that trafficking is happening here in Bryan College Station. And how it's happening is we often see an older man uh, reaching out to a naive young female, and it's oftentimes on social media. And parents don't know about it, guardians don't know about it, but we're also seeing an increase in college campuses, college parties. We're seeing a lot of connections happening there. And what's happening is a, a dating relationship forms, but the dating relationship is based on false love, false affection, mixed with trauma and abuse. And there becomes a substance abuse dependency, and there becomes a relationship bond based on the trauma and that dependency. And then what happens is it goes from there. And what happens is there's a mental... Um, coercion that happens, and there's this, I, it's my fault that I did this, and we get this victim mentality, and it's very difficult for survivors to break free from that. But that's the scenario that we're seeing. In this particular scenario, though, um, my, a friend of mine who I've worked with had actually reached out to me and said, I'm housing somebody who's been prostituting in Bryan, and she's been trafficked all over the country, and she's at St. Joe's, and we need some help. And so what we did is we responded to that call. We went and got her from St. Joe's, and we took her to Taco Bell, and we sat with her, and we heard her story. We gave her some food. We talked to her. And this woman had been all over the country, New York, Las Vegas, Texas, you, you, you name it, some of the big cities trafficking. Um, and she had a really bad substance abuse. And it's pretty providential that of all the places she was, she landed in College Station, Texas. Um, it's not a coincidence. And so we got to sit with her in Taco Bell that day, my friend and I, and we heard her story. And what's amazing is that she commented that she really had felt like God saw her that day, that he, he, he recognized her that day. And I couldn't help but thinking as we were sitting in Taco Bell, this is the kingdom of God. This is why we're here. What, we're, we were just being available, but this, this woman's life is going to change forever because she's currently in a drug rehab facility and is set to graduate at the end of September. 
Yep, and she's going to get vocational training and trauma counseling, and she is on the path for a new beginning. And the Lord allowed Unbound in its collaborative efforts with other organizations in town and other people in town who have, who have surrendered their gift sets and surrendered their callings to be a part of her story. There were so many people along her story that, that came in that were from different parts of the church that responded from transportation to food to housing to this uh, substance abuse rehab facility. Everybody had a part to play. If you look at her story, there's so many people who had, had hands on it. And that's what Unbound wants to do. Unbound wants to be a collaborative ministry. It wants to be a people who unite the church at large, but also organizations, people who are in the community. We are a unifier. Because the bottom line is we can't do this without everybody on deck. We need everybody to show up. We, never, we need everybody to respond. And so you may be sitting there this morning thinking, well, I feel encouraged about this. I feel like I want to jump in, but I don't know what to do. I don't have a specific skill set, or I have this in my life right now. Well, if you want to know a little bit more, there's a four by six card under each of your chairs. There may be one, it's every other chair, so you may have to share with the neighbor. Um, but if you pull that out, I want to go over a little bit something with you about what Unbound does specifically. So if you turn it over, so the, the logo's on the front, if you turn it over, these are our three main ways that we work in the community. We do prevention, so we educate and empower at-risk youth and spread awareness through citywide outreaches. And we provide human trafficking presentations to groups and organizations within the local community. We also provide professional training. We provide professional training to lawyers, medical professionals, educators, social service providers, and more to empower all professionals to use their skills to identify and serve victims. And we also do survivor advocacy. And so we advocate for survivors through providing immediate needs, volunteering legal services, medical care, counseling, and ultimately connecting them to aftercare programs. And so there's a, those are our main things that we focus on, but there's also other ways to be involved. And where it says what you can do, you can learn, you can get educated about human trafficking. One of the biggest needs is just being educated. Most people have no idea that sex trafficking is happening here in Bryan College Station, but it is. I met with somebody last week. And so it's happening, and when we have eyes and we understand what to look for, then we're able to rightly identify what's going on. And so education is key, and that's why we focus so much on prevention and awareness. And we also need financial giving, because it helps provide for our survivors, it helps provide for aftercare, it provides for a lot of our things that we need. And so if you're in the business world and you feel called to financially give, we need that. And we also need volunteers. We need volunteers to get trained, to do professional trainings, to do equippings, to go into hospitals, to go into organizations like CASA, and to, to give our presentations and to help people understand what this looks like, how it's happening here. And we also need volunteers to go into the juvenile detention center. And we send teams in and we ask them to meet with girls and boys in the, in the juvenile detention center because young youth, vulnerable youth, are, are a key target for traffickers. And so we want to share with them about just what does this look like? What are the vulnerabilities? And so there's, there's a way to sign up to volunteer. We have a table out there. Um, after the service. If you want to give us your name, your contact information, we will reach out to you and let you know how to serve. And there's also a big awareness event coming up, which is the Light Up the Dark 5K. That's October 14th. It starts at, the race starts at 7.30, but it's at Wolfpin Creek. It's a glow in the dark. It's going to be awesome. And we're um, going to have all kinds of fun things going on. But it's one of our big community-wide collaborations to bring awareness and um, insight into what's going on in our city with, with human trafficking. And so if you want to sign up for that, you can also sign up out there, or you can sign up to the link online. And so I'm going to ask if you're able to stand. I want to pray a blessing over us. 
as we close this morning. So if you feel comfortable and just want to put your hands out to receive or if you want to just allow your hearts to be open to receive this morning, I want to pray this blessing. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger so that you may tirelessly work at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people. May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you really can make a difference in this world so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. And so this morning, we're gonna have a response time. We've been talking about how do we respond as the people of God to other people? How do we serve people? But what's most important is how do we respond to the Father? We have to respond to the Father first. And so this morning, we're gonna invite you to come up, ministry team, come up. If you need prayer for anything, God's heart is always for healing and for wholeness. That's always his heart. And so if he's calling you this morning and he's saying, there's healing for you available today. There's wholeness for you available today. Come, come receive prayer. Maybe you're getting a call or stirring from the Lord to consecrate your skills to Jesus. Say, Lord, utilize me to the fullest capacity. Use my giftings, God. Come and receive prayer. Maybe there's an abusive situation that you're in and you need help and you need to receive prayer. Come. Maybe for the first time you're being stirred by the Holy Spirit to know Jesus. Maybe there's salvation that he wants for you this morning. Maybe you've heard about this this Jesus and wow, what an amazing guy. He is. He's your life. And if you're ready to receive him, he's ready to be there for you this morning. So come and receive the gift of salvation. It's free. It's free to you this morning. Whatever your need is, come, come and receive prayer. The worship band is going to play. We're going to play an amazing song called Grace to Grace. If you want to just let the words wash over you, that's great too. I'm going to pray us into the response time. Oh, Father, we are so grateful. What an honor. What a privilege to be able to be invited into your redemptive plan. That you would trust us with your dreams and your plans for the broken and the suffering and the hurting. God, would you use us in mighty ways? Would we surrender our skill sets? Would we surrender our gifts to you? Would we turn our entire lives back to you as an act of worship, Lord? I pray for salvation this morning. I pray for freedom. I pray for healing. I pray for wholeness. I pray for fullness of the Spirit of God. Whatever is in need this morning, I pray that they would come and they would receive the invitation of the Lord, Holy Father. God, come, Holy Spirit. Release your word. Thank you, God. We need you, Lord. We can't do it without you. We need you, Father. And if this morning you are wanting to receive salvation, pray this prayer with me. Holy Father, I am a sinner, but you have come for my sins and you have died. power.